This is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Peter provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg. Hello, and welcome back to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. My name is Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. If you'd like more information about what you hear during the show today, give us a call at 866-360-2724 or visit us online at theivag.com. And while at the website, check out the podcast page to check out our past shows and to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Today we're going to take a look at some of the dangers of making assumption when it comes to your retirement finances. You may assume certain things are going to be set in stone when, in fact, they probably aren't going to be. But before we get into that, I want to bring in my co-host, Tony. Tony, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Peter. I've had a great week. And just looking forward to today's show. In fact, I assumed we were going to talk about assumptions today. <laughs> Very good. You must you must have good skills at, at looking into the future, Tony. Can you help me figure out when I'm going to retire? <laughs> Nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, there are dangers of uh, assumptions and misconceptions out there. So this is going to be a great topic. But no, I'm doing yeah. good. How about you? How are you doing, Peter? No, I'm doing well. You know, we're moving here through September and uh, things are going well. Turning the corner. We were just talking about this before we got on the air. Turning the corner here into fall and and, and getting ready for, for all that brings. So, But overall, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Oh, yeah. No problem. Now, we're talking about misconceptions and assumptions today, and this is going to be enlightening. So what do you want to start with here? Well, the first misconception I want to touch upon, Tony, has to do with the idea that you're going to spend less in retirement. You know, it is likely uh, that a lot of people, uh, on average, are going to spend less, right? Usually, generally, it's 80% of whatever their pre-retirement expenses were. But truth be told, more than 33% of individuals actually find find themselves spending more in retirement than they did before they retired, especially in those early years. And you have to imagine, if you've made the assumption that, hey, my budget's going to go down, and you've adopted that kind of lock, stock, and barrel, and then you get into a situation like a third of these people have found themselves that their spending has gone up, that's going to be quite a shock, and it could derail some of your retirement plans. Now, I'll say it does make a bit of sense why some of these costs would go up, especially in the first couple years, right? Because you may be moving, uh, changing where you're living uh, from cold climates where we are in. Tony to some warmer stuff in the south or out west. You may have some pent up demand for traveling that all of a sudden now that you're retired, you're going to try to get a bunch of those bucket list items checked off. But unfortunately, if you've planned to have, again, have your your spending be lower than before you retired and now it's spiked higher, that assumption is going to completely ruin some of those retirement income plans that you have made. Ah, yeah. And that's, a, that's the danger in assuming things. Uh, So obviously, uh, it would be a misconception to assume you know exactly how your retirement spending is going to go, right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a budget, right? A budget is an important tool to make sure you're on track. But when you build a budget for retirement, you should also be able to build some sort of flexibility into that budget to be able to account for sometimes costs are actually going to spike higher than you assumed and maybe higher than when you are actually working. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have a flexible budget um, as you're moving forward. Right. Um, and you want to avoid danger, right? Uh, that's kind of my life motto. What's another thing <laughs> we should be wary of? Yeah, that's a good motto, Tony. Uh, another misconception would be uh, the constant one that I hear is that, well, I, I can't really save for retirement right now. I just want to wait till I have a higher income. And, and it's very easy to rationalize this, right? You know, I'll have a higher income. I can save more. But truth be told, you should start saving for retirement uh, as early as you possibly can because the truth of the matter is building a retirement nest egg, yes, it's about what you put into it, but it's also about allowing it to grow. It goes back to the, the the concept of compound interest and allowing savings and interest to continue to build on themselves. So assuming that, hey, I can put off any sort of saving until I have a higher income or I have a higher income and my expenses go down, that's just going to lead to a situation where all of a sudden you're going to get to a point where you're never going to be able to save enough for retirement. Whereas if you start small, even if it's $100 a month into some sort of saving a retirement savings vehicle, that long-term power of growth is going to allow you to amass a much larger amount of money. Yeah, and I know I've heard you talk about how important saving is. I mean, even just a little bit. Uh, You've talked about that a lot in the past. Yeah, I mean, the power uh, of accumulating wealth over time through compound interest cannot be underestimated. So so it's important to really account for that and think about it. You know, we've touched upon in other podcasts. Yeah, it, it may cause a little financial pain uh, to put an extra $100 away, but overall, that's going to really be uh, really powerful for you down the road when retirement time comes. One of the other misconceptions I want to touch upon, Tony, is a couple of them, and they relate to Social Security. The first one is do not assume Social Security benefits are going to be your primary source of retirement income. You know, in 2019, the average Social Security check was just a hair over $1,400. And for many people, $1,400 is not likely going to cover all of the monthly expenses. And then when you look at the growth of expenses, general expenses with inflation, but also the growth of medical expenses, that $1,400 is going to go even less far dealing with the the expenses you're going to have in retirement. So I I think it could be dangerous to assume that Social Security is going to be able to cover all your costs in retirement, right? Yeah, that's true, Tony. And it's also important to note uh, on the flip side that assuming Social Security won't be part of your retirement income is also a misconception that I hear as well. And what I mean by that is there's always a constant rumbling that Social Security won't be there for retirees, right? There's a lot of differing uh, differing opinions about the solvency of the Social Security Trust Fund and, and the taxes paid in and the amount going out. But w- when I work with people uh, when creating plans, I generally give them this type of rule. If you're 55, or years or older, I would. it is safe to say that it's very likely that your benefit is not going to be affected by any sort of changes to Social Security. But if you're younger than that, you should understand that Social Security may change in some sort of way. It's probably not going to go away, but it may be reduced in some sort of fashion. And planning in that vein makes a lot of sense. I guess the bottom line here, Tony, is when you're planning for your retirement and you're using Social Security, 
you have to, one, again, assume that Social Security is not going to meet all of your needs, but we have to look at how can we potentially maximize your Social Security benefit, and that's where you need to bring in some sort of financial service professional that can, one, understand Social Security and its nuances, but also has the means to, to be able to say, okay, here's the best way and the best timing to maximize Social Security so we can at least get the most amount of money out of the program uh, that we can. Yeah, and you have a report you can run for people. It's personalized, and it'll show them based on their personal situation, uh, when the best time to file is, spousal benefits, things like that, the Social Security Maximization Report. And I think that's that's awesome. Now, if our listeners want to get that or want to talk to you about any of this, how can they get a hold of you to set up that complimentary consultation? Yeah, so we offer complimentary uh, complimentary consultations, Tony, like you mentioned, uh, and so we'll sit down, uh, kind of gather some information, see what your plans are, what are your goals, and then come back to you with it, with an overall plan. And in that plan, we're going to take a look at a number of different things, uh, risk and assets. We're going to take a look at um, overall income planning, where are we going to draw income, take a look at taxation, but also, like you just mentioned, we'll take a look at Social Security. We have a report that we can run where we put Social Security info into it and, and then also your age and uh, age and your overall plan and figure out how what is the best strategy for taking Social Security that's going to result in the largest amount of uh, Social Security income over your lifetime. It's called the Social Security Max Report, and it's a pretty powerful tool it, it, when you use it in conjunction with all the other work that we do. So to do that consultation, give us a call 866-360-2724 or visit us online at the IVAG.com. Set up an appointment. We'll do it either in person or virtual, depending on your comfort level and continue that conversation. All right. And this is the Ivy Retirement Podcast. I am your co-host, Tony Shore, and I'm here with our host, Peter Laufenberg. And uh, I look forward to building on what we've already discussed today. So what's the next type of misconception or assumption? So uh, the next misconceptions and assumptions I want to touch upon has to do with interest rates. And it specifically has to do with the fact that the Federal Reserve has an almost 0% interest rate. And how does that affect the American consumer and also those pre- uh, preparing for retirement? Well, yeah. In fact, you know, it's interesting. I just recently heard the Fed is hinting uh, they're going to keep interest rates near zero until maybe 2024 or for another three years. Yeah, Tony, I've read the same thing. Pretty much the Fed is going to keep interest rates at zero for the next half decade. And really, in the big picture, what that means is lower rates on loans, right? This means that credit cards, student loans, monthly car payments, uh, mortgages, home equity loans, all of those are, are tied to in some shape or fashion to the Fed interest rate. And if it's at zero, that means loans overall are going to be cheaper. The unfortunate part is usually when interest rates are that low, that's an indication of being a troubled economy. And in a troubled economy, lenders are often less likely to approve loans. So that's something to consider when you're looking to potentially use this low interest rate environment to your advantage. Making sure that you're also credit worthy is is very important. Well, yeah. And and that's the big picture, the big idea view on this. Let's look at some of these impacts in detail. How about credit cards? What does a federal rate cut uh, and low interest rates mean for our monthly payments? Well, 
It's kind of mixed, Tony, right? Many credit cards have a variable rate, which means that your rate is going to change when the Federal Reserve cuts rates. Well, they've now pretty much cut it to zero, and you know it's not going to go much lower. Now, if you take a step back and you look, Americans started 2020 with more than a trillion dollars worth of credit card debt. That's a lot of debt. Yikes. And even though the, the Federal Reserve rate is at zero, most credit card interest rates uh, charged by the company are still in the teens or 20s. With that said, though, with an overall low rate environment, it does offer the potential opportunities for folks to be able to maybe reconsolidate some of the credit card debt at a much lower rate that's going to save them a lot on their monthly payment, but also a lot of money on interest. Wow. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. So I think, uh, what about savings accounts then? How do the interest rates affect those? Well, if anyone has opened up their savings account statement, they'll see that pretty much they're earning almost nothing in a savings account. And and in today's world, you know, if you talk to, to your grandparents or your parents and, and they'll tell you they could put money in a savings account and earn 10%, those days are long gone yeah. right now, right? So the truth of the matter is savings accounts, when we talk to people about it, should be where you keep, let's say, your emergency savings, right? Money that you you may need really quick for, for an emergency. Other than that, a savings account is really not a, a vehicle anymore to use for accumulating any sort of, of wealth in there. Right. Um, what about mortgages? How are they going to be impacted? I, I, I think I know part of this because my <laughs> wife and I refinanced. We went from a yep. we went from a thirty year to a fifteen and still have the same payments. Yeah, I just did the same thing, Tony. I refinanced as well. I went, I kept the thirty year, but my interest rate dropped by two percent. And so, yep. you know, mortgages, you know, mortgages aren't directly impacted by the federal rates. They're tied to them and they're influenced by them. They're also influenced what's going on in the economy, what's going on um, with inflation. But as we just talked about, Tony, rates are now at historic lows, and low rates mean that it's a great time to refinance if you have the ability to, um, so that you can get to a lower rate and either have a lower payment or a lower payback time. And if your current mortgage is an adjustable rate mortgage, obviously you're going to see a lower payment, but it also might be a great time to make that switch over to a a more fixed rate and lock in that low rate for a long duration. Now keep in mind, along with mortgages, home equity lines of credit are also more affordable for those that may want to pursue them. So this is a great opportunity. If there's there's something that you feel you need to remodel, you want to upgrade, especially if you're thinking about selling your house down the road. You're going to retire someplace else. You're going to sell your current house, but you know for so you know the master bath probably needs to be remodeled because it's going to sell better. This may be a great time to explore some sort of home equity line or refinancing a mortgage to get some equity to do those projects to allow uh, down the road you to be able to sell the house at a much better price. Yeah. So would it be right to assume that these rate cuts impact other types of loans as well? Yeah, I mean, it's going to affect the whole host of them. Car loans, for example, granted, they've been pretty low, but they're fairly closely tied to the Fed rate. So car loans have gone down. So if you you need to leverage money to get a car, now is a great time to potentially do it. And same with student loans. Um, If you are a parent uh, who maybe co-signed or even took on a student loan for your children to go to college, this is a great time to potentially refinance those loans, especially those variable rate private loans into something with a much lower fixed rate that's going to allow you a lot more stability in in helping deal with those costs. I think at the end of the day, Tony, 
uh, when we're talking about savings and approaching retirement, you need to look at debt either in an emotional or logical way, and that's going to shape how you deal with this low-rate environment. Right. There you go. Well, you know what? Uh, what do you mean, though, uh, by this? I mean, looking at it in an emotional or logical way. Yeah, that's a great question, Tony. So so I often have this conversation with people, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, but sometimes people just don't like that, right? They they don't like the idea of it, and, and they don't want it. So we work with people to, to pay it off, but there's also a logical way um, to look at debt, because debt isn't necessarily bad. Uh, you just have to make sure you're using debt in a wise way, and if you look at it logically, where you could use a low-rate environment to borrow money here, and yet save money someplace out someplace else as a much higher rate of return then now you're starting to use a logical approach to dealing with an interest rate environment again there's no right or wrong way but uh, i guess the biggest assumption here is don't I wouldn't go to a table and just assuming debt is bad debt has its place and you can use it uh, strategically Obviously, it would be helpful to sit down with a financial service professional to figure out, okay, how can I use debt in a way that's going to help me strengthen my my savings plan or my income plan when I get to retirement? Right. And if our listeners want to do that, uh, how can they set that up with you? I know you're offering that complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation, correct? Yeah, so if they want to do that that uh, consultation, it's a two meeting consultation. There is no cost. There's no obligation. The first time we, the first meeting, we sit down, we gather some information, uh, ask questions. What are your goals? See where things are going for you. And then at the second meeting, I'm going to come back and share with you my ideas for how can we create a plan and and, and make sure that you can have the retirement that you're you're wanting. And if we can't, how can we create paths to make sure we can get to that goal? Whether be saving, reducing debt expenses, what have you. To to do that consultation, um, you start by giving us a call at 866-360-2724 or call or go online at the IVAG.com and schedule an appointment. Again, we're doing uh, appointments in person or virtually if you're whatever your comfort level is. Sure. Well, and this has been a great discussion so far. I mean, we're talking about the dangers of misconceptions or assumptions today when it comes to your finances. And I know that one big one that I've heard out there uh, is that uh, a lot of people assume they can work in retirement. But I know you've said in the past that might not be the case. What are some of the reasons that make working in retirement difficult? Yeah, Tony, you're absolutely right. Many older workers are finding it difficult to find work in retirement. According to an article from the Federal Reserve, age can impact interview rates. So older female candidates, for example, looking for, let's say, administrative positions, they were called in for an interview at a rate of 47% lower than their younger competitors. When they looked at sales-related positions, the rate was 36%. And it isn't just female candidates, right? There's discrepancy amongst males as well. For sales-related positions, for example, older male candidates were interviewed at 30% less than their younger competitors. So while receiving a callback or or an inquiry for an interview is just one measurement of job success, uh, job search success, excuse me, it can be a strong indication that there's some headwinds for those who may be on uh, the older scale looking for for work. Well, all this, you know, kind of paints a bleak picture when it comes to older workers. It feels like it's going to be difficult to continue working or find new work, especially uh, in, in retirement or if you're at retirement age. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, my goal here is not to paint an overly negative picture, right? I don't want to discourage people from even looking for jobs or assuming that's a possibility. But what I do want to point out is that making the assumption that you're going to be able to keep your full-time, long-term job if you continue to perform is, one, not necessarily true, but also assuming that you're going to leave your current job and retire and then maybe find something else part-time or full-time at a lower pay rate also is an assumption that you shouldn't count on um, and, and you need to plan accordingly if those if those assumptions don't pan out it could blow a huge hole in, in whatever plan that you may have created so it, it's it's important to keep in mind again that there are some headwinds even though there's laws that they say you cannot discriminate against age well, and, and whatnot <laughs> yeah. right yeah. the truth of the matter is the numbers the numbers say otherwise yeah. to a certain degree and so you can't assume that the opportunity is going to be there right now again it will be very likely but you can't make the assumption that it's going to be right and we've talked a lot today about assumptions and misconceptions overall what would you recommend peter to our listeners out there who may have further questions about these topics yeah, you know, we've touched upon it a couple times, but I think the best way, everyone's situation is different, right? Um, and everyone has a lot of different opinions and, and has made assumptions on, on different areas. Uh, I would always, it never hurts to sit down with someone and have a conversation, even if, let's say, you, you've already created an income plan. A second opinion uh, is never going to hurt, especially if there's no obligation uh, or, or no cost to it. So I would suggest if you want to start talking about some of these things that we touched upon here, if you have some other other questions or assumptions that you're just not sure about, uh, give us a call, 866-360-2724, or visit us online, theivag.com, and set up appointment, and, and we can start talking about um, if you don't have an income plan, a retirement plan, a savings plan, how can we start to create one that's going to uh, stand the test of time, so to say, and if you already have one, is it really going to do what you need it to do? Are there some assumptions built into that that just are not realistic? Right. Well, great advice. Thanks so much, Peter. Great show today. That does it for another episode of the Ivy Retirement Podcast with our host, Peter Laufenberg. Thanks, Tony. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Peter Laufenberg at the Ivy League Advisory Group. Call 866-360-2724 or visit them online at theivag.com. Investment advisory services offered through the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC. Tilton, New Hampshire, 866-360-2724. A registered investment advisor registered in the state of New Hampshire and Vermont. Peter Laufenberg and the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC, are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.